Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Hi, it's Palm Sunday today. Jesus said to his disciples, um, I, need a, I need a donkey. And he said, go, go to this place and tell them our master has need of it and a few months ago, I said to a couple of members of staff, I said, I have need of a crown. And uh, here it is. And uh, I'm sure there's probably a, uh, a bingo establishment somewhere called Crown Bingo. <laughs> with the owner outside scratching his head. Thinking, What's going on here? And Graham running away with a big crown under his arm or something like this. The pastor needs it. The pastor needs it. Anyway, here we are. How many people have got a dog? How many people have got a really well-behaved dog? Oh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I take my, my dog. He's a chocolate brown cocker spaniel uh, for a walk. We're fortunate enough to live, well, we chose to live, across the road from a park. And uh, I take him for a walk. And um, as soon as all the triggers go on, he knows when the walk is coming. He sniffs your trousers and your boots. Are they walking trousers? <laughs> yes. Are they walking boots? Yeah, great. It's a chain next, you know, and all that, the lead next. So as soon as he sees all the triggers, and then he says to me, fountain. He says, just like that, he says it fast. If he could talk, don't you wish dogs could talk sometimes? <laughs> they were just saying, oh, I love you, daddy. Love you, daddy. That's what they say. Anyway, I imagine it in my head. <laughs> we need all the love we can get, don't we? Anyway, so, um, <clears throat> fountain. No, he doesn't have to say it, because I know that's what he likes. There's a fountain in the middle of Central Park, and he, he just wants to check when, whether the water's in, because he loves a good dip. He sees the sign, no dogs. And he ignores it, and he just gets in. But at the moment, it's dry at the moment. They've not filled it up yet, you see. Uh, but he still has to head there to check whether there's water in. That's all he, he wants in the palace. That's all he's bothered about. The fountain in his head. All the triggers, boots, trousers, lead, fountain. That's it. And so we, I get him on there and he's pulling away like this all over the place. You know what they're like. And I know all he wants is the fountain. But the amount of time it takes to get to the fountain... And sometimes, if time is tight, we never make it to the fountain. How is that? All he wants is to get to the fountain. But on the way, there's all manner of distractions and attractions on the journey. And sometimes we never make it to the fountain. Squirrels. Pigeons. All over the place. It's just that's what he's got to do. Mess. His own mess. You know, anyone who's got a dog has got a bag in every pocket, right? And a mess. And then, not happy with his own mess, other people's mess. <laughs> got to investigate other people's mess. What is that all about, right? Not happy with your own mess, got to go check out other people's mess on the way, right? And then, uh, and then a female dog. You've got to flirt. Just a bit of flirting. Okay, that's another five minutes gone. A male dog, bit of fighting, okay? It, look, it's either attractions, distractions, his own mess, other people's mess, flirting or fighting. 
keep him away from what he really wants. And it's exactly the same with us. Exactly the same with us. We know what we want. We're going to go for it. Because the passion is there. All the signals and all the triggers. And we've got the passion and we know what we want. And on the journey, there's all this other stuff. And sometimes you think, where's the time gone? We haven't got time now. I can't get to the fountain. You know, you learn a lot from a dog. Learn a lot, just like us. James chapter 1, verse 12. It's going to come up on the screen. I wonder if we could read it together. James chapter 1, verse 12. Are you ready in good voice? Nice and loud. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. One more verse in Corinthians. Here we go. Nice and loud. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. We are in a a series called Crown, and I'm going to recap that shortly. But before, let's just pray. Father, we thank you that you've already spoken to us today. If we've been listening to you, then you've already challenged us. You've challenged us through the interviews, through the worship, through what Mark has said, through the word that Sue brought. You've been touching our hearts already. Father, we pray now, if you have anything else that will help us to grow, help us to become more like you, will you give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to obey? We ask it in your name. And everyone said... Amen. We are in a series called Crowned, and there are a few of us over the next few weeks, just during this month, going to talk about the crowns, some of the crowns that are mentioned in the New Testament of the Bible. Some of them are crowns that uh, Jesus wears, and some of them are crowns where the scripture text seems to allude that at a future time, maybe, maybe after we've all faced Jesus, that we will be rewarded, if you like, with a crown. Now, not many people think, although some people do, not many people think they are real, literal crowns. But hey, if they are, that's cool, isn't it? And um, it just means, because I've read the end of the book, that actually it just means we've got a crown to lay at the feet of Jesus. Um, But what does all this mean? What are these crowns? Do they symbolize anything? And probably more importantly, do they help us become more like Jesus? Do they help us change? And there is no doubt about it that this series that we're in is not just about, oh, we learned about some crowns. Really what it's about is behavioral change. What kind of people doing what kind of stuff receive one of these crowns, whether they be real or not? What kind of people doing what kind of stuff are promised these crowns? I, I want to know. Because if it's a joy for God to give them out, if it is some kind of reward, then I want to be the kind of person who works for that kind of reward. And some of the writers in the New Testament, they give clues that they really wanted to be 
the kind of people who receive that reward as well. Some of the writers use language like this. I press on toward the goal. I forget what's behind. And, and I go on there. They, they talk about standing to the end because there's a reward. So we want to know what some of these crowns are. And Dan started off last week by talking rightly about just two of the crowns that Jesus wears. Not us, but that Jesus wears. And he talked about the crown of glory and honor that Jesus wears. And, and how if we understand that Jesus is wearing a crown of glory and honor, or he's clothed with glory and honor, or he stands for glory and honor, a proper understanding of that demands some kind of response from us. And if you want to know more about that, if you missed it, you can catch up on the podcast or you can catch up uh, by watching the video too. Just go to the front page of our website and you'll see a link to those two things. I want to talk today about the crowns of life. The crowns of life. And each of them, there's two crowns, each of them were mentioned in those verses we read. James talks about the crown of life. And Paul the Apostle, when he's writing to the Corinthians, he talks about an imperishable crown. Talks about runners in the games. Think about the Olympic Games or the World Athletics Championships. They, they run for a crown that will not last. But we run in faith for a crown that will last forever. An imperishable crown. So we've just decided to clump these together and talk about it because they seem to be dealing with the same thing as crowns of life. Um, a couple of asides before I get to my main point, if that's all right. I want to read to you just a little bit more of that James passage. We were reading from James 1 and uh, let me read a little bit more of it to you. This is how it starts. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Always a good way to start. Okay, a nice warm welcome. By the way, this is a, an aside from an aside. Okay, you know what I'm, you know what I'm like. You, had a, you have a 50% chance. If you were a church in the, the days of these letters being written, you had a 50% chance of either receiving a letter from Paul the Apostle that said... Grace and mercy to you, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Or, listen up, you nitwits. You are, you are there 50% chance of receiving one or the other. And some churches even got grace and peace to you, you nitwits. Listen up. Um, anyway, James, he, James, a servant, anyway, I don't know why I said that. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy. Consider it what? Oh, this is exciting what's coming now. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. God, not feel good, is he, this fella? not building up the confidence. He's not creating a, an atmosphere of faith here. You know, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, 
not lacking anything. And then the verse we read, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Here's the aside. Your faith is always tested. Promise. Your faith is always tested. None of us here who are people of faith, who are people of God, people who through Jesus Christ are doing our best to live in a godly, righteous way, following Jesus as closely as we can. None of us can say, well, we weren't warned about that trial. Your faith is always tested. And I think it's written here and James wrote it, so, so it would never be a surprise for these people. In fact, they were having tough times already. And then he says this, but when your faith is tested, it produces something. It produces something. It's like when grapes are squeezed. I mean, grapes are pretty to look at, right? I mean, some people use, some people buy fake grapes. No, they do. Fake grapes there, just on there to be a centerpiece on their, their table, because they're lovely to look at. All right? But grapes, uh, real grapes, not fake grapes, you, you only know the goodness that's inside of them when they're squeezed. When the skin is broken and the goodness inside comes out. And, and, and so when your faith is tested, it produces something. The juice that comes out of your faith, says James, is called perseverance. And then he says, let that juice, let the juice of perseverance do its work. I wonder what that means. Let, let the perseverance do its work and you will become mature and complete. And then at the end of it, you get a crown. Okay? He takes us through a process. Hey, Christian, hey, new lifer, you love Jesus, you're doing your best to follow him. Your faith will be tested, guaranteed, squeezed. The juice comes out. What's the juice called? Perseverance. Don't dismiss the juice. Let the juice do its work. Persevere, persevere. You will become mature and complete. God smiles on you and he rewards you with a crown. That's what it seems James is saying. The other passage that we read, the 1 Corinthians 9 passage. I'll just read one extra verse in this. This is what Paul the Apostle says. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Here's what Paul is saying. He's not saying be a winner. He's not saying be a winner. He's not saying be the best. He's saying run like a winner. Run like a winner. And, and in that passage and elsewhere, he alludes to you run according to the rules. You've got, to, you've got to know, you've got to learn, you've got to understand stuff. Run like a winner. And if you run like a winner, you'll get to the end. So he's taking this picture of a, 
of the games, the Olympic games and athletics games. And he's saying, look, look at the hard work they get to. Look at all the ice baths they take. Look at the 3 a.m. get up in the morning during the rain. Look, look at the desert runs they do. And they do it to get what? A, a perishable laurel wreath. And we do this, this following of Jesus, helping, helping him make the world the place he always wanted it to be. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. It's not a race as to who's first, but run with the attitude of a winner. And of course, we know really Paul the Apostle was fond of telling people Jesus has already won. And that means you are more than a conqueror already. He's already won the battle. You're already a winner. That great? That does deserve another hallelujah. A ripple of hallelujahs across the place. That he's already won. That's great. So we have here crowns mentioned that seem to be rewards. Rewards for what? Rewards for lives like yours and mine, that if we do this right, are built on Christ. Build on you and your own ego. Choose to run on slippery rocks rather than in the lane. No crown. Build on Christ. Let the godly things in you do their work. Crown. Fountain, mess, my mess, flirting, fighting, distractions, attractions. It's not easy. It's not easy. And let's not fool ourselves, it is. It's tough. And Jesus knew it was tough. And that's why he prayed for his followers. Lord, protect them. Keep them from the evil one. That's why he taught us a prayer that we might not be led into temptation, but we might be delivered from evil because he knows there's all this stuff around us that can lead us astray. And yet, and yet we are geared by Scripture to go, yeah, I'm going to the fountain. I, I, want, I'm just, I want to head towards Jesus. And if I get a crown, I get a crown. I'm just going to lay it at his feet anyway. But if I get one, I'm going to get one. And so, these two crowns that I'm looking at today, can we, can we see the common thread to them? And I think it's very clear. The common thread is this word, perseverance. What is it? Perseverance. Perseverance. We could use words like robustness and persistence and strength and... All those kind of things. But I think the word perseverance jumps out. Perseverance is a virtue that is proved in behavioral change. How do you know I have perseverance? By watching me, working with me, walking with me for a long time. You'll soon see whether I've got perseverance or not. I haven't got perseverance because I say I've got it. 
I haven't got perseverance because I've got a certain position in a church. I haven't got perseverance because I've got a title. I haven't got perseverance because I read it a lot in the Bible. I've got perseverance because it's proved as I'm squeezed. And, and that juice of perseverance over time, over time, over time, does its work and matures and completes us. Perseverance has to be proved in behavioral change. Here's a question I hate asking myself. I really do hate asking myself this question, but I was taught to do it a long, long time ago. How... How more mature in Christ am I now than I was a year ago? And if the answer is no more mature, then I've either not learned in the good times or I've not learned in the bad times. There are areas in my life where I've not learned or grown. There are tests that I've I've been allowed to go through that have not produced anything in me. There should always be areas in us that are being honed. I don't always mean the big reshapings that God goes through sometimes. You know, where he slaps us back on the clay and starts a wheel spin and go, right, whoa. I don't mean that all the time. I just mean the little, the little changes. God gets his little decorating stick out. I'm just going to, let's just sort that out there. It's a challenging question, isn't it? And one of the keys is understanding perseverance. Perseverance, but you say, but that's to do with athletes or soldiers or people who go through long-term illnesses or people who are heading for goals that take them years and years and years to achieve. Surely perseverance isn't an issue of faith. Oh, it is. It's a huge deal to do with faith. Thank God for all those early believers who persevered so that we could be here today. <laughs> Rewards built on Christ. I, I, I know what it's like because I've often thought like this when I read hard stuff in the Bible. I just think, Lord, can't I just, can't I just live simply? Can't I just... Can't I just let you love in and then let you love out? Can't I just go through life letting you love in and then letting you love out? I just want to do... You want to be one of those carefree... You see them sometimes, don't you? Really carefree Christians. Just. I was with Jesus this morning. He just loved me. He just loved me. And now I just want to love it out now. Love it out. Let it all over. And it's like every day, every day, every week, every month, you just want to love it. And I'm thinking, that's amazing. That's amazing. The truth is, that's not what we're called to. See, that, that should punctuate our life. But perseverance is a hallmark of our life. I was considering this and I was thinking about Jesus because if anyone, if anyone was able to just let the love in and then just let the love out, it was Jesus, right? Hello? If anyone was able to do that, it was Jesus. Fully inspired by the Holy Spirit. Learning who he was. Sinless, spotless. Having even the, the voice of God at his baptism say, This is my beloved son. And 
him. If anyone could have just gone through his ministry or his life, letting the love in and then letting it out, it was Jesus. Here's some of the things I read about Jesus. When he was 12, he was not just loving, but he was learning. He went missing. His parents eventually knew where to find him. Where would he be? Just letting the love out. He was learning. Because he knew at some point it's going to be difficult to let the love out. So let me learn. And they found him in the temple. Discussing scripture. Discussing truth. When Jesus was found at the Jordan River. He could have ordered John the Baptist about. But he didn't. He obeyed. He obeyed. When Jesus was going through tough tough times, he didn't just pronounce victory. He prayed. A lot. A lot. Sometimes we just want to pronounce, don't we? Oh, I'm going through this tough time. It's the devil who's after me. I'm just going to pronounce the victory. But why don't you try what Jesus did first? He prayed all night. He prayed a lot. When Jesus was burnt out, he didn't rebuke his burnt outness. He recovered. He was asleep in a boat during a storm, for goodness sake. He was tired, right? Jesus was shattered. And he needed a rest. You row me to the other side. I'm in a kip. I need to recover. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, facing his ultimate life's work, he wasn't celebrating. He was sweating. Sweating to the point of drops of blood from his forehead. When I read Jesus, I see a man who let the love in and he let the love out. But there's a hallmark of perseverance running through this man. If he was going to get to the fountain, he knew he had to be made of certain stuff to get to the fountain. And it's exactly the same for us. Three quick points. Here we go. Passion gets you started. Perseverance gets you to the finish. Passion gets you started. Perseverance gets you to the finish. I love talking about passion. Uh, Dina introduced her little section by saying, here at New Life, we are passionate about this. And we are, we're passionate about this and passionate about that. And you are in your life. You're passionate about certain things. And, and sometimes when you're wanting to start things and... You know, a new venture, a new season of your life. You go, I'm passionate about this. I just, oh, I've got the passion. Hallelujah. You know, you get all Pentecostal on it. We've just got the passion. Let me tell you, that's a great way to get started. And it's a great way throughout the journey to punctuate your life. When you have those moments where you just again go, God, give me that. Give me that passion again. But passion will never Never get you to the end. In fact, if you, just, if you just run on passion, you will quit. 
because there will be more days, weeks, months, and years without it than there are with it. And that's in all areas of life. That's not just to do with faith. You grab a, a loving, very elderly couple and sit them down. Say, how did you get here? I'll tell you what the answer won't be. Oh, passion. <laughs> that won't be the answer. Oh, passion, God is here. This is why we've had a 60-year successful marriage. Paul and Janet have just come away from a Caribbean trip. Where are you, Paul and Janet? Celebrating their, whatever it is, 90th wedding anniversary or something. Got something like that. Good to have you back. I tell you, if you were to sit them down, sit them down, and you know some of the journeys of their life and what they've been through and what they've gone through, and say, hmm, you're a... I mean, they run our pre-marriage course, Paul and Janet. Another round of applause. So all our... For the last sort of four or five years, every couple who's got married have been uh, going to Paul and Jack. If you sit them down and say, look, how did you get, how did you get here? They won't say, oh, passion. Every day, passion. It's just passion. I bet Janet's woke up one morning, at least one morning, looked across at Paul and got, what on earth have I done? <laughs> They've been through times where the, the least amount of energy I'm talking about you here. I'm preaching about you, Paul and Jack. This is really bad, isn't it? But I'm really, I'm preaching about all of us. Where the least amount of energy going into you is from passion. And you have to dig something. What do you dig? It's perseverance. Because, because that's the kind of marriage we want. So we've got to work at this. We've got to fight for this. And it's the same with faith. Passion gets you started. Perseverance gets you to the finish. Here's the second point. I'm speeding up now. Many problems, I'm convinced of this, many problems exist to solve you. We always think that we're there to solve problems. Oh, if we could just take a step back into God's bigger vantage point. And he's watching our journeys and he sees the trials and the tests we're going through. And he wants to give us this, this crown, this reward at the end. And he knows if this is tough. And we're in it in the micro going, I've got to solve this problem. I've got to solve this problem. And God's thinking, I've got to solve you. What are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this dry period? What are you going to do with, with this period of, of the unknown? What are you going to do with this, this trauma that's just... It's come on you from left field. What are you going to do with this? Because it's there to solve you. It's there to... That's another grape squeezed. It's another one. What's, what's happening? Is it, is it perseverance that's coming out or is it bitterness? Right? A bitter grape or is it a persevering grape? What, what is it? There are many problems. I'm convinced that are there. To solve us. What are we like in the middle of this stuff? The truth is God's there, not just taking a step back with a vantage point. He's there in the middle. If only we could remember that all the time. Because as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, who is there? God is there. And what's he doing? Ah, Just around the corner, there's a table spread out for us where is this table spread out in the most unlikely of places where is it spread out in heaven in the kingdom in a wonderful but it's spread out in the presence of your enemies he's with you in it 
He's with you in it. But, it, but he ain't going to pick you up. Because that produces nothing in you except laziness. Persevere. Persevere. Here's the third thing. To love anything deeply, truly and deeply, you will always suffer for it. I don't want this to seem like a downer. It's just a fact. It's a true fact rather than one of those other ones. <laughs> the false facts. It's true. Have you, ever, have you ever lost anyone really close to you? Of course you have. We're human. Did you suffer in your loss? Why did you suffer in your loss? Because you loved in life. You love someone truly and deeply. You will have to suffer. Because it comes along with love. Right? You love something truly and deeply. You will have to suffer for it. Because nothing just falls into place. You have to fight for it. Sometimes you come out with scars and, and things ripped and, and wounds. You love anything truly and deeply, you will always suffer for it. And I'm so pleased that when we read the writers of the New Testament, they are so honest. You can tell that they don't often want to talk about their own troubles and trials and sufferings, but now and again, now and again, they're drawn into this point where they just have to go, look, nitwits. <laughs> That's what Paul the Apostle does, okay? Let me tell, and he goes for a chapter and a half. I was shipwrecked. I was bitten by a snake. I was stoned. I was thrown out a city. I slaved there for so many years and saw nothing, but I did the I did that. Why? Because he loves Jesus. You love anyone, you love anything truly and deeply enough, not just to do with faith, you will suffer for it. Thank God Jesus loved us enough. Love me, love you enough to suffer for it. Why don't we just take a pause? I've not finished, but let's just pause right now. Close your eyes wherever you are. This is a message and it's largely to do with church and church folk and people who are following Jesus, but I'm always convinced that there are, in any gathering like this, there are people who don't know Jesus as they ought to know him. They know church and they know religion. They maybe even know the language of being a Christian, but they don't know Jesus. <clears throat> I don't know how you get through life without him. I don't know how you make the big decisions without him. Must be tough. Because it's tough enough making the decisions with him. But when God looked down upon the thing he loved the most, humankind, he was full of passion, 
full of patience, full of perseverance, which took him to the nth degree. They, this people I love, are incapable of fixing this themselves. I will do it. And he became human, was born and lived difficult life, died a horrible death. Did it all by remaining pure and spotless and clean. And death couldn't keep its slimy hands on him because of that. No hooks to get into Jesus. And the Holy Spirit burst him from the grave on Easter Sunday. To offer you life. Right now, some people are just, you know you need Jesus. Not like a, a crutch in your life. You don't need him just like a, an extra piece of medicine to take. You know you need him as a Lord to follow and as a Savior to rescue you. Well, here's a simple prayer we can all pray together. Why don't we all do this? Dear Lord Jesus, I don't know it all. But I know this. You love me. You lived to show me how to live. Died to save me from my sin. Rose again to offer me life. I'm sorry for how I've harmed myself. My relationships with others and my relationship with you. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Make me new. Thank you for giving your life for me. I give my life to you. Holy Spirit, help me live for Jesus every day. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer sincerely, and truly, then it is not just words. If you prayed it sincerely and truly, then something in the very heart of you has cried out, Jesus, yes. And if you did that, then, then at the end of this service, other people will be mingling and grabbing coffees, and there'll be lots of distractions and attractions about it. Don't get fooled by all that. To our friends at a banner that says, Need to talk, just go over to them and just, just say this I said that prayer. I said the prayer. They'll just want to spend five minutes with you. Is that okay? Good. Let me carry on just a little bit longer. 1952, American lady called Florence Chadwick. She was a long distance swimmer. She'd done many smaller little channels and things, and she decided to try to swim from the mainland California to the island of Catalina, 25 miles. Way back in 1952, there weren't all the, the tricks on the boats to help you and lots of modern techniques and lots of modern suits to wear and all that kind of thing. So she decided she'd, she'd give it a go, 25 miles. And, uh, and she set off from the coast of, of California and there was a little boat by the side of her just 
in that, kind, in that area of the world just watching for sharks and predators and those kind of things, just keeping an eye on her. And she was doing really well. She was making good time. She'd been swimming for 15 hours. And um, the fog set in. Very common in that part of the world. The fog just, just came down quickly. And she couldn't see except just an arm's stroke in front of her. And there's something not about her body, but about her mind and her spirit. And you can read this. She wrote a book about it. And, and everything just sapped from her. She couldn't see. All she could focus on was fog. Fog, fog, fog. It's just the fog. I can only see the fog. I can only see the fog. It's fog. So she signaled to the boat. She said, that's it. I've had enough. They pulled her in. They pulled her in and they just, they warmed her up as they do and gave her whatever, a cup of cocoa and dried her off and put her in a thing and the fog lifted. And she was half a mile from Catalina Island. So she had one hour to go at, the, at tops. She wrote about that after. By the way, she was successful later. She did it again. But she writes about this. She said, until the fog came down, all I could, all I could see in my mind's eye, even though I couldn't see it in reality, was the island. The island. I'm going to make it to the island. The island's there. I know the island's there. If I wasn't heading the right direction, they'd tell me on the boat. The island's there. And then the fog came. And everything in her, super strong woman, she just quit. Perseverance, gone. But she learned a lesson. And she did it again. She went on to do the channel. She went on to do channels in, in the meds. Look, this is what she wrote. I kept picturing the shore until I could no longer see the shore. She then learnt the lesson. Even when I can't see the shore, I will keep picturing the shore. I've got to get to the fountain. And passion won't get you there. Perseverance gets you there. So let's, let's live a life that's powered by prayer, maybe punctuated by passion, but it's proven in perseverance. I've got just a couple of... Uh, Crowns here. I think Mark's going to talk about these next week too. But um, who looks good in a crown? Do you know? <laughs> how did I guess? Come on, let's have a look. Celia, come on. How do you, what do you look like in a. There we go. I want to place it on you. There we go. Okay, there, look. Oh my goodness. That is very, very good. I like that. Any, anyone else? Let's have a male. Go on, let's do it. Let's go for a male, just for a laugh. Come on, who wants to wear a crown? Oh, well done, Phil Perks. Oh, it's a bit spiky. All right, so those baldies have got to watch. Oh, doesn't he look like that? Oh, just stand up. Give us a twirl. My goodness, yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. No, seriously, look, let, let Celia and let Phil 
be representatives of us all. Jesus is waiting at some point in the future with either real ones of those or metaphorical ones where he goes, you've done it. You've done it. Come on, let's stand together. Pop your hands somewhere near your heart. Jesus, we thank you. Your love is endless. You proved it by what you did. Now, Lord, we just want to offer it back to you. In fact, what we really want the privilege of being able to lay crowns down at your feet. That's what we want. But we've got to get them first. And it's not really a race, and it's not really about winning. Lord, it's about perseverance. And I pray in this world which is full of attractions and distractions and our own mess and other people's mess, will you save us through it? Lord, we, we just need your smile, your Holy Spirit, some daily bread. And we can do this. So as a church, impart to us today the opportunity for our faith to be tested and proved. And when we're squeezed, Lord, let bitterness not come out. Let anger not come out. Let resentment not come out. Let falling by the wayside not come out. But let perseverance come out of us in your name. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.